Welcome to the Veterinary Business Matters Podcast, brought to you by Oculus Insights. Here we will discuss topics related to veterinary business management. From small to large animal, this podcast strives to give you the insight and tools to help you improve your veterinary business. Oculus Insights, supporting businesses where great people want to be. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Veterinary Business Podcast, brought to you by Oculus Insights. Yet again, I am joined by my colleague at Oculus Insights, Katie Ardeline. Katie, welcome again. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me again. So we're sort of switching up our format. We're going to try this out because I think this will be fun. And so what we're doing is there's three main subjects that we want to talk about. What Katie's role is at Oculus is she's our HR specialist, and what we believe in Oculus is that people are the foundation of a great business, and so if you don't have your people, the right people, and the right jobs, it's going to be hard to have a great business, and so whether you're trying to survive a pandemic or just try to get a good, successful business, you need great people, so our focus will be on human resources, and today we've got a few subjects, so I think let's dive into the first one, Katie. Working from home, many people are still, even in vet practices, some people are working from home, whether it's office managers or people like myself, who as a leader of the practice, but a non-clinical participant in our business, I'm working from home. You worked from home for a year, a couple of years back, just because of a, of a, a move. So let's talk about work from home. What are your, what are your thoughts? Where, where do you want to go with this one? Um, I mean, we could talk about uh, sort of the positives and maybe some of the challenges around working from home. You know, I think for me, I mostly work from home now unless we're at client sites. Uh, but when I was a manager and I worked at home, I think the the best thing is the sweatpants, obviously. It's number one, um, you know, not having to be presentable from the neck down. Uh, <laughs> or, as, or like on a podcast, I'm just wearing gym shorts right now. Who knows? Gym shorts. Who knows? That might be a bit TMI, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously the obvious things about working from home, um, you know, convenience, the time and the money that's saved, being able to concentrate, being able to focus and not have sort of the distraction at the office when you're working on bigger projects. Those are all really great things about working from home. Um, I mean, you're doing it now and you traditionally you'd be at your clinic, so you'd be out and about uh, for most of the week, but now you're it's sort of reversed I think you're spending, you know, an hour at the clinics and 49 hours at home. So how's that been for you? It's been all right. And I know we have other people, our operations manager, uh, because in the one of the biggest reasons why people are working from home where we are is because of right. childcare. Is that I know a practice manager of a large downtown Toronto small animal practice who hasn't been in there for a couple of months. And it's purely um, I, one of two reasons, uh, childcare or uh, a person is living or is, you know, has association with who may have some health issues that may be susceptible to the COVID-19. So there's good reasons why people are working from home. I'm, you know, I like it and I'm not going to jump in and say I mm-hmm. love it, but I like it. A, I don't have to get dressed up. I can, you know, if I want to have lunch, I can walk 15 feet away from my office and lunch is, you know, I can make lunch and there's that convenience. I got a nice view from my office window. And for a while, it was great because as you were just saying, boy, you can be productive when you're not uh, having to put out fires every day or dealing with small things. You can sit there and you know get some significant stuff done on big projects when you're working from home. 
yet, you know, it's a people business that we have. And I, after a while, I was really starting to go, oh, where is everybody? Yeah. I like to interact and see what's going on. And it becomes a little isolating after a while. I, I don't know how you you did it for a year in, in uh, Western Canada. I don't know how you did it for, for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was definitely, I mean, it's, it's really hard. I, I'm a people person too. And having to you know, you're, you're sort of out of it. And I think, I mean, I was the opera an operations manager when I was in that role working from home. So, you know, I had day to day influence on what was happening and it's really hard to do that if you're not there day to day, because, you know, you can get a report from somebody on how something is going, but you can't really get a sense for the feel of the office or the feel of the clinic, or, you know, you miss those kind of one-off while you're here type conversations um, that you would otherwise have when you're in person. And I think, for me, it was sort of, it was, it was great because, you know, for those reasons that you mentioned that, you know, being more in control of your time, not having interruptions, uh, or at least being able to control the interruptions. But after a while, you sort of lose touch with the culture. And that's what I liked the most about where I was working was the culture and the people. And it, it sort of, that eroded, eroded for me anyway, after a certain amount of time. When I'm in the office, I love hanging out where the receptionists are, the customer service representatives, because that's where you learn that's the pulse of the business and so just being where they are hearing them answer the phones hearing clients that are happy clients that are unhappy hearing the interactions between the vets and the receptionist the text the receptionist i mean you everything starts and ends there pretty well i just love being in there you learn so much about your business what's working what's not working and if there was one thing that I was like, oh, I really wish we were, I could do more of would be that is just the interaction, just the spontaneous ideas about something. So, I, you know, more and more industries are going to be going towards um, working from home. You know, a lot of big corporations, uh, Facebook, Twitter are saying, yeah, people can work from home until 2021. And some said, yeah, it's, it's a permanent thing. So, but I think you're missing something in the office, uh, in the culture without human interaction. Absolutely. I agree with you. It's difficult. Uh, There are definitely the goods and the bads, and it depends on personality to some extent too. But if you're a manager of people, uh, you should at least look like you want to talk to people. So it's, you know, being at, there's really no substitute for actually being there. Uh, And, you know, even now with the role that I have and the clients that we have sort of across the world, really, I still miss being able to go into a clinic in the morning and, you know, talking to people and having, you know, joking around and having fun. And, you know, sometimes there's food there. So <laughs> there's a lot of good. That's always yeah, good. it's always good to have the food donuts or something. So that's that's I think for me is, is something that I miss uh, even now for myself. Um, I think it's interesting, though, for, I was thinking about sort of the implications of this um, being a staff m- member and having a manager or owner who wasn't always there. And I think for the staff, it actually can be a positive when you're not there as a manager as well, because you're sort of less under the microscope. You know, whether or not the, man- the owner is, um, you know, listening to every word or not, it certainly can feel that way in the office. So, you know, having that feeling like you can sort of be be a bit more relaxed is is a nice thing as an employee as well so there's that part you know and not not having to be micromanaged 
For sure. Absolutely. And we'll talk a little bit about that in, in, in a second, in our second uh, subject. But, you know, we bring up this working from home because a lot of people say, well, I don't see how that's going to affect vet mm-hmm. practices. Um, but I think, you know, it's not going to be like, you know, whole floors of an office building are going to be empty or, you know, whole areas of a vet practice will be empty of people working from home. But I still, I think because of social distancing, many of us work in very crowded mm-hmm. environments. There's several of us sometimes in a tiny office. We've seen some pretty cramped quarters. Same kind of in my own practice too. And so I think we may see some shift work where people are rotating days at home and being in the office, you know, just so you can have two people in an office that's, you know, eight by eight um, and, and, you know, there's some good social distancing. So I, I think we're going to see people working more from home, you know, with the economy and fluctuants of how it's going to go for the next few months. Uh, there's a lot of uncertainty. So assume it's going to happen more than not. So Maybe we can sort of talk about what are some of the tips as an owner or, you know, a supervisor of people working from home of how do you make that relationship work? You're used to, as you said, seeing them all the time and and now you're not. Yeah, that's a really good question. I think, um, you know, we've talked about it in other podcasts having uh, communication with the staff. And, you know, we talked a little bit or I talked a little bit about missing sort of those one-off conversations. Um, But beyond that, you can't sort of stick your head in the sand as a manager and say, oh, well, I'll hear about it if something's wrong. Otherwise, I'm just going to like be a mushroom here by myself. Uh, You know, you still have to make the time and make the effort to talk to people as much as possible. Uh, And, you know, be as transparent as possible as well about why you're home, when you're coming um, the state of how things are going, you know, there's nothing worse than, you know, being the staff that are in the office sort of on the front lines. And then the manager's back at home saying, well, you know, my health is more important. And it's not, that's not why you're home. I mean, everybody's at home for a reason that we all understand right now, but you want to make sure that you're still very much a part of, of what's going on. Um, and being very open to feedback as well. You know, how is this working for everybody? Am I here for you? Um, what more do you need from me? So being that kind of open, vulnerable type manager that everybody wants to have, uh, it just takes a little extra thinking from home, I think. Sure. And I think the other thing I think about too, is when I've, I've talked with some vet practices about people working from home and, and the one stumbling block a lot of people say is, I would love, you know, it would be nice. We don't, we don't have to have so much big office space if more people could work from home. But then it comes back to, but how do I know they're getting the work done? And, and then, but my answer is, well, you know, are they getting, are, are you getting the best of them working in your office when you have a lot of distractions, you know? And so how, what are your thoughts on how do you trust people when they're, you're not looking at them every day? How do you gauge their output or productivity? Traditionally, I think you think of productivity and outcome is you look across the office and people's heads are down or they're on the phone or they're doing what they're doing. But I think shifting your thinking and thinking more towards outcomes. So what are these people actually accomplishing? Did they accomplish what we needed to have accomplished? And I think it's it's a bit different. You know, you might have, um, as a practice owner, you might have managers. You mentioned your operations manager is working from home. And, you know, she, it's easier for her because likely her work is a little more project-based or task-based, whereas, you know, a receptionist is on the phone. So uh, they're either on the phone answering calls or they're not. But for those folks who their output is a little more ambiguous, unless you're micromanaging and hanging over their shoulder, I think it's, it's really important to think about, are they getting the things done that we talked about them doing? 
You know, are they avail- are they staying engaged and are they staying available? Uh, you know, are you losing somebody sort of, are you losing their attention um, because they need more hands-on work or they need to go to the office for a day and sort of reconnect? But I think it also goes back to trust. You know, who are the people that you hired? What are your core values like? How, how does the office usually operate? If, if this person was in the office, you would trust them to do their work. So why would it be any different at home? But you have to have yeah. the right people, right? Otherwise, it's yeah. difficult. Well, I, I'm going to use that as a segue to the, the next thing we want to talk about. And, I, and it's something that I've been reflecting on. Yeah. So last time I was in the office was on March 11th. Yep. And so we're recording this on June 1st. Last week was the first time that I visited some of the practices, some of the restrictions in Ontario where we live were lifted. And uh, I just said, you know what, I'm going to use this as an opportunity. So I went to all three practices one day. I was a bit of a courier. So it was just great to touch base, say hi to people and talk. And I was driving. I was like, I haven't seen many of these people for about 10 weeks. I haven't been in any of these clinics for 10 weeks. But, you know, in the midst of this pandemic and, you know, with the uncertainty of when it happened, then veterinarians in Ontario were only able to do urgent care. I don't have to tell everybody that's listening to this. I mean, there's been a lot of upheaval. This is not normal. And I was like, we've done pretty well. I mean, yeah, sales been kind of garbagey because of the economy. But overall, as a practice, you know, we still have done what we're supposed to do with minimal angst, minimal frustration. You haven't heard about any bad behavior. You know, it's just, it's it's worked well. And I was like, well, what is it? Mm So a couple of things I started to reflect, I said, I think this is it. Number one is, and you touched upon it, is, you know, we are a business that's based on our values and our purpose. So our values, we have four core values and we have a purpose. And the purpose is, you know, sort of like why we do what we do. Why do people, you know, what are we hoping that people will gain out of experiencing at our vet practice? And, and I started thinking, so, you know, even though I'm not there and I'm the defuncto, you know, my name's on the title, I'm like the the, the guy that's runs this thing all together, not on the day-to-day, but on the grand vision and where we're going to go. This thing has done great. Our operations manager, she's been home for the last 10 weeks too. It's been doing well. And what is it? And I said, you know, it's because we are that values and purpose-based business because, you know, how does that work is, well, A, we hire people that share our same values. So right off the bat, it's not like, because I also think you can't change somebody's values for a situation. We are who we are. Right. So we hire the right values and so right off the bat, you know, that if these people have our four core values, they're they're in line. They're they're very sympathetic to what we're trying to do. Second thing is the purpose is we we talk about our values and purpose so much. Every meeting we have, we talk about purpose. Conversations about purpose, you know, and you know, our our purpose is basically to give clients peace of mind that they've made the best decision possible based on the knowledge that we have given them like we want them to be part of this process we educate them and so whether it's a euthanasia or a vaccine or a dentistry or a lump removal people are like you know what i made the best decision that i could with economics that i have the resources that we have so we want people to have peace of mind and that's a phrase that comes in all the time on client surveys so we know we're delivering it, but I think when all of the normal structures that have held everything up in our business went away, because we had the foundation of good values, because we had a shared sense of what our purpose is, 
nothing really changed. And we just carried on and we, and, and we did what we're supposed to do just because we have the right people on board. And so we didn't have to prop up anybody. We didn't have to be there to try to corral bad actors. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just, it just seemed to work. What do you think on that? I mean, that's just my guess. And I just, it's been kind of refreshing because you have these ideas and you never know how things are going to work until literally shit hits the fan. And I can't say it any prettier than that, mm-hmm. you know, because it had been so easy without on-site management for this just to fall apart. Definitely. You can certainly think of some folks that we work with, or, you know, I've had, you know, had managers ask me, well, I have people who won't wear a mask and they are posting pictures on social media of them definitely not social distancing with other members of our team. And, you know, I, I can you even imagine that happening at your practice? Uh, you know, and, and I think that having people, like you said, who are, I like to say, on the bus. So people are on the bus. You're all going in the same direction. You understand why you're there. You have people who can think beyond themselves and they understand how their role fits with everybody else and, and that real um, idea of teamwork. And, you know, you've been laying the foundation for your culture for 10 plus years at McKee Powell. And so, you know, and that constant drilling in the brain, not drilling, but bringing up the core values and bringing up why we do what we do and being consistent in how, in the actions that you're taking, you know, you have a team there who is very much aligned and they all work together well. Uh, But it's certainly, there are other practices that we're aware of where their culture isn't as strong. They might be just working on it now, or it's just, you know, the culture isn't, isn't a teamwork type culture. And they've, they've suffered in this and they, you know, it's been divisive and, you know, people have been, you know, why does X have to do Y and I don't have to do it. So I think that, yeah, I mean, we spend all this time talking about culture and we spend, you know, staff meetings and, and get people involved and people might roll their eyes in the good times, but in the bad times or in the challenging times, like we went through now, they're really, it's paying off. And you're certainly seeing that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really culture is something that you cultivate over a period of time. You're 100% right. And so people are talking about culture. It's like, you know, when's the best time to start? Like now. Yeah. Because you start now, you get where you need to be in three to four years, but at least better now than starting in a year because it's still going to take time. It's, you know, the optimist of, of uh, in society are people that build trees that they know will never be at this fullest you know, growth when they're still around. You develop these things for the future of your business. And I just think developing that strong culture really is that foundation that helps the business when times get tough. Like, I mean, we're being buffeted, you know, if you want to use a, a weather analogies, we're just being buffeted by tornadoes and hurricanes, but the, the, the building still stands. And so definitely, and, and we'll be stronger, you know, when we come out of this, Hundred percent. you know, knowing that you can weather a catastrophe like this has been. And your team is intact and, and people are, you know, as happy as they can be and you've taken care of them. I mean, oh man, it's a really enviable place to be, which is a crazy thing to say right now. But um, from an HR nerd culture perspective, I think it's, it's, this is really a test. You know, these mm. times have been a real test for people. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, just, they expose the good and the bad of any business. Definitely. Yeah. So last big subject we wanted to talk about is something that's starting to happen in Canada. And, um, you know, people make fun of Canada, like we're very socialized medicine and socialized this. We're not really, but but we do have good government support. And yes. and I think, you know, I'm, I'm really happy that we have a business in Canada. You know, the government has given some really good support to small business owners that have really helped. I mean, our sales were down quite a bit 
for a few several weeks and there was one program that they had that i you know just loved and that the government was basically paying 75 percent of salaries if you can demonstrate that your revenue was down 30 percent from the same period the year before and you know that 75 percent has kept people employed honestly yes. so love it thank you thank you and we're you know but now they're talking about something else and in Canada I and mean, you can correct me on the details, but I can see this starting to spread because I just think globally with this pandemic and people having to take time off from work and, you know, or being sick or being worried about being sick or family members being sick, you know, there's going to be some more, there's going to be calls for more support. And so mm -hmm. one of the things they're proposing in Canada is moving up the amount of sick days that an employee is entitled to, to 10 days. For It's at five now, and they want to double it. So what are your thoughts on this? Because this week, I think we can have a good crossfire exchange on this. <laughs> I, I don't know where you stand on this, but I know I'm, I, I have some issues with it. I'm going to be honest. I have some issues with it. I love having great employee foundations, but... Sometimes. Yeah. So I think, um, I mean, I, I have an idea of what some of your concerns are going to be. And I think, you know, just for clarity's sake, I believe that the sort of framework of this plan would be that this initial 10 sick day allotment would be partly paid for by the government. So, I mean, I guess eventually through taxes, we pay for it, but it, you know, it would be funded by the government. But there's a call for having this be sort of this is the way it is and this is how it should be. And these are paid sick days. So not just job protected days off because right now in Canada, you don't have to pay people sick time at all if you don't want to, but you do have to offer them the time off if they need it. Uh, so this would be quite a shift. And I, I mean, I don't know any companies that don't really offer at least, you know, one or two paid sick days, uh, but definitely the jump to 10 is quite a big one. And um, I think that, you know, for me on my side would be that the positives outweigh the negatives and might, you know, cancel out some of the negatives. So I think uh, there are some sort of workplace uh, positives that come from this and there's some societal positives that come from it too. So there's sort of the bigger picture, you know, so starting from the workplace angle and some of this might kind of cut into what some of your concerns are. Having people who know that they can stay home and get paid when they're sick, uh, you know, you have people who then aren't at work sort of being, they call it contagious presenteeism. So somebody who's at work and they're sick and they're basically useless. So they're, they're there because they're, they're working their hours so they can collect their pay, but they're not really doing anything. They're kind of hanging around and they're sick and, you know, their productivity might be 10 or 15%. And in the meantime, they could be infecting other people at the practice. And this is not just COVID. This is beyond that. This is any kind of uh, communicable type illness. So I think that's a huge one. Uh, no, people knowing that they have that sort of safety net to be able to stay home if they need to and not have it be a big production or not have to lose money is a, is a huge thing. You know, and, uh, and then, you know, not, not infecting other people and then not, you know, it's a ripple effect, right? If you're out and about, you're maybe infecting people at work who are infecting people at their home who are infecting people in the public. So it's like a big infection party, not in a good way. Uh, you know, I was, <laughs> I hear that argument and I'm yeah. being a bit of a devil's advocate here. It's yeah. like, you know, what about, I have a headache. I don't want to go to work. Uh, I had a rough weekend. I don't want to go to work. Oh, it's a long weekend. I don't want to go to work. 
you know, all of a sudden people can take those days as a quote unquote sick day, but it's just more of a vacation day. Yeah. The non-contagious absenteeism. Yes. <laughs> the technical term. Oh, yeah. You're I, that's, a nerd. You have a phrase. Yeah, I know, right? Days. Wow. Big time. Wow. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, that's definitely, that's the big conundrum and everything that I was sort of reading about this, that's the, the pickle is people are, are, or you think, you presume that people are going to take advantage uh, but if you think about going back to what we were just talking about, having that supportive culture and having a strong um, kind of team work ethic that you have, you know, I think that the people who are fake sick, which is what we used to call it in the office. I like the that. Fake I, sick, I like the official. Uh, that's a better terminology. That's the, uh, yeah, that's the off the cuff. Yeah. <laughs> fake sick. Fake the sick. fake sick people, you kind of caught on pretty quickly to who those people are in the office. And I think, you know, you're going to have some people who are going to take advantage but it, there could be peer pressure, you know, people rolling their eyes or, oh, so-and-so sick again. I think that it, the the problem will be less than you might think. I mean, how many sick days does McKee Pownell have now? Is it five? Yeah. Yeah. Five paid sick days. And do you find that people abuse it? Mm-mm. I don't think so. But I mean, you know, maybe somewhere like a McDonald's or somewhere where there's a lot of quite young staff uh, who want some time off, that might be something different. They need to learn to not post things on social media if they're going to do that. But uh, yeah, I think it's a concern, but I, I don't know. I think, I think that the, the benefits outweigh that those possible issues. And I think if you have somebody who might be a, a repeat offender in the fake sick department, then that's somebody that you could have a conversation with. Well, I think, you know, to be fair, coming back to what we were talking about with trust, if you've hired the right people, they're less likely to abuse the trust. If you've got a a morale and a culture with high employee engagement, you know, if they're leaving, and and I guess this is where we got to look at, you know, look at ourselves in the mirror as practice owners. And if we have a high level of absenteeism because of fake sick, I like, I want to use that term fake sick as opposed to the longer one. It's what are you doing in your business that makes them say, oh, crap, I got to get out of here. I want to be, I'm, I'm sick. As yeah. opposed to, I love my job. I love who I work with. I love my clients, the patients. I want to go into work. At some point, somebody's going to just say, I just don't have it today. You know, And I get that. But I think if you have that group together, this is fine. I think the other aspect where I think this is very positive is as we have heightened awareness uh, and sensitivity and respect for mental health challenges, I think this is a good opportunity for people to say, you know what, I need a day, I need a break. Uh, I think this is such an intense business and we have this attitude of, if that's, I'm just going to go in anyhow, I'm going to go in anyhow and maybe had taken a day or two off to just to clear our minds or the right thing. And I think it's not like you're going to have a doctor's note saying, oh yeah, this person's got a flu, I got them on antibiotics or what have you. So again, it comes down to trust that if somebody says, I need a day off, I need just to regroup, Good. My only problem with it really is I think when people make legislation or propose legislation, they're thinking like in Canada, we're very service oriented, you know, economy, 40% of our economy is, is, you know, big uh, government institutions, the big banks, that's the kind of stuff that we do. And they have much better margins, profit margins than a small animal or just a small veterinary business or a small business in general. That's if we've got to pick up as a business owner, if we have to pay for uh, this absenteeism, it gets expensive. It, and and, I, and I, that is my only concern. But really, and I actually, I think as you and I have been talking, I'm sort of shifting more to the positive aspect of it, that I think this is the cost of doing business 
And if you have that right environment, that right culture, it's probably going to be a lot less of an issue than we're concerned about. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a concern. Um, but, you know, in all the years that I managed, uh, I, I mean, there's maybe one person that I could remember that was like a chronic fake sicker. Um, and they were somebody who didn't stay with the practice all that long. Yeah. They were all, you know, and it wasn't because of that. It was just they weren't a good cultural fit. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I agree with you. It's the financial part is difficult to stomach. Um, but, you know, if you think about the positives that you might see on your cash flow, you know, you might have if somebody stays home for a day instead of coming to work and being sick for five days, they're going to recover that much faster. You know, you're going to you might have people make mistakes, uh, possibly costly mistakes when they're working, when they're sick. Uh, so, you know, I think that it's kind of it's hard because so much of human resources is hard to quantify in a dollars sure. and cents kind of way. Uh, you know, we talk about employee turnover and that kind of thing. But I think that there's positives here as well that can be gained. You know, and, and even, you know, in a broader sense, you know, if you have people who are able to take a sick day, maybe they can make it to their actual family doctor instead of going to emergency after hours because they've had to be at work all day, uh, you know, and, and reduce burden on the, the healthcare system and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of, it's a pretty big web. This subject has a pretty big uh, reach yep. uh, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, no, you made some great points. You're, you're convincing me it's working, it's working. Mm-hmm. I like it. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, one of the things we want to introduce is what we would like to call our wins and fails, thumbs up, thumbs down, whatever you want to call it. I mean, just as it relates to human resources, just good general business practices. So, um, Katie, why don't you share with us your win of the last couple of weeks? Definitely. I actually have a couple. So one's quite local to me. Um, So there's, you know, people are obviously wary of going to the grocery store. Stock is limited. It's it's difficult uh, to to shop right now. I mean, it's not impossible, but it's definitely inconvenient. So there's a a farm uh, farm stand down the road for me. It's called Alberta Farms. It's in the beautiful town of Paris, Ontario. Uh, And what they did was Uh, They very, very early on, I think they were the earliest adopter that I saw of this. They produced, um, I think initially even, you just called them and you said, these are the vegetables that I need. And they put it all in a box for you and they had it waiting for you, um, you know, outside the store for you to pick up. There was tap to pay. It was easy peasy, you know, and as things, uh, as things progressed, they really listened and I was following them on social media and I do patronize the store. Uh, you know, they're listening to client feedback and they're saying what's working, what's not working. And, you know, eventually they have very detailed lists of what they have and how much things cost. And it's really, I think that they've really gained a lot of clients that are going to be lifetime clients with them. You know, like, why would I go to the grocery store if I can have wonderful service and really great produce here? So for me, that was a really big win and a really good example of a company who sort of took lemons and made lemonade out of it. Cool. Uh, you know, they're, they're talked about sort of beyond social media. So that was really nice. My other win is, uh, so in Lyon, France, there was a nursing home. And I mean, we know the toll that COVID has taken on uh, long-term care and nursing homes, I think all over the world. Uh, so there's this, this nursing home in Lyon, uh, who had a very forward thinking and very, um, you know, somebody who really wanted to take action as the manager. And she basically said, okay, well, we're going to stay here. We're going to stay at the long-term care home or at the nursing home, we being the staff. We're not going to leave. 
We're going to sacrifice our time with our families because we don't want these people who uh, we're caring for to get sick. So I think uh, they gave their staff the option. And I think it was just over 50% of the staff said, yes, we will stay on site. We'll work. We'll do what we need to do to keep people safe. And uh, the article came out because they had just the staff had just been able to leave late last week and they had zero infections and obviously zero deaths. Oh, wow. Yeah, out of a huge long-term care or a huge nursing home. So, you know, and it just seeing the video of everybody leaving and they had tears in their eyes and it was just really a really nice example of uh, leadership, you know, from an HR perspective, but, you know, just as like a human story as well, it was really nice to see. So nice to have some positive news. That's very good. Well, mine's a, I, my win's a local one too. And so I'm, I'm a, you're an, an HR nerd. I'm a pen nerd. And so I only use... You're nerdier. I only use fountain pens. I am so like, it's kind of weird, ironic, just because um, I love technology and everything cool, but my writing instrument is an anachronism, but there's nothing better than a ballpoint pen. You can write a fountain pen. You can write all day. So needed to get something from our fountain pen shop. And there's a small boutique in a little town about half an hour away. Who knew? And they sell paper and fine writing instruments. And they have calligraphy courses and journaling courses. And they've done just such a wonderful job. So I got my shipment from them. And in it was a nice handwritten card from the owner and beautiful flowing writing it's kind of stuff that you would see a long time ago um and i don't have but she just you know aspirational so it just it was like wow i can actually read people's writing and it was just like thank you and as an appreciation of you shopping at our new online store and what we're trying to do is promote writing is here's a a, a stamped postcard uh, from their town that I could use to, you know, send a postcard to anybody when I want to in Canada. And I thought, how clever, A, the thoughtful mm-hmm. touch, but everything just sort of aligns with what that business is trying to do in a very sweet, non-selly, spammy, scammy kind of way. It was just like, wow. And I, I just, I thought that was just wonderful and thoughtful. And I just thought, I will keep on going to this store no matter what, because just, it just, love how they do things so that's that's my win and i just it's the kind of business you know what it is and we let's try to find the hr angle to this is that if i was ever asked or in a position where hey should i go work at this shop i'd be like absolutely i mean these are some thoughtful people so i think they'd be probably fun to work for definitely no that's a great one so you know, maybe I'm just thinking in the future, maybe we should start with our fails and end with our wins. Now we're going to do our fails and we've been having some good conversations. Now we're going to be leaving on a really down note. So we'll just say that we, our hearts care more about the positives. Yes, it has to be. Yeah, and, the, and the positives should outweigh it. But so what are your fails for the week? Oh, goodness. Uh, Okay, so my first one is um, this McDonald's franchise in Oakland, California, where the staff are alleging that um, they basically didn't have any personal protective equipment. So right at the beginning of uh, COVID, they obviously stayed open and they were expected to work. uh, And basically, they hadn't had any PPE come in yet. And they were told to use um, dog diapers or maybe coffee filters as, uh, you know, infection control measures. And, you know, I I was doing a bit of reading on this because there was they had filed a complaint uh, just late last week. 
And the owner said, oh, this isn't true. And, you know, there are photos of the dog diapers fashioned into, um, into masks. But, you know, the, the ownership basically said, well, we don't know what they're talking about. This isn't true. You know, I spent my own money on PPE, but, but didn't really, they weren't really addressing the workers' concerns. And the workers went on, actually went on strike and refused to work. Uh, and they said also, you know, 78% of us don't have sick time. So, you know, if they're going to have to come to work, uh, they're afraid that they're going to get sick and they're not going to be able to get paid. But also they have that motivation to come to work because they want money, you know, whether they're sick or not. So I thought that that was a pretty, uh, pretty heinous fail. And uh, the second one, just really quickly, and I don't, I don't know how anybody thought this was a good idea, was Weight Watchers, who uh, I think it was last week, they had to let an, a large amount of their workforce go. And uh, I mean, which is understandable, it's layoffs, they said they were going to be changing their business model anyway, which is all I mean, there's a way to do it. But definitely the way not to do it, which is what Weight Watchers did was they just fired everybody on a one way zoom meeting. So oh, you would call lovely. in, lovely. you didn't know who else was on the call, you were muted, so you couldn't ask any questions and you basically were let go. Oh, that's so, beautiful. Yeah. That's nice. And they said, you know, refer to your local manager if you have questions at the end. So isn't that nice? I mean, there are challenges right now with meeting face-to-face, but there had to be a better way than to just, you know, they might as well have just like tweeted it out or something. Wow. And, and Oprah's on the board. She's a major shareholder. Oprah, come on. Uh, yeah, not good. Not sure nice. Shatters so many illusions. Well, mine's I don't know if mine's worse, um, but mine's just horrible. And I'm not I'm not it's a government official. Mm-hmm. And I'm not gonna say which country because it's irrelevant which country it is. Um, but they were talking about the economy, and this person quotes our human capital stock end quote is ready to come back to work. And I'm like, you don't talk about people, valued, you know, employees as human capital stock. You know, it's like you're counting chickens or pigs or something. And I just thought it was just such a demeaning phrase, but it was also, it's, it really perpetuated this, or it signified, it perpetuated, it sort of signified that this is what this official really does think of people as not individuals, but just as numbers, as, as, as cattle. And I thought, it's just, you know, we're all trying to get through this. It's as tough as it is. Uh, some respectful phrasing probably went a long way. So, yeah, I don't know. I think having to wear dog diapers and getting fired by Zoom is pretty horrible on an individual level. But to be considered by your own government as human capital stock, that's yeah, pretty crappy yeah. too. That's, uh, yeah, that's, I don't know. I mean, he couldn't have asked HR for like an idea of what to say instead. Yeah, like our, our hardworking people want to get back to work. and Individuals with lives and families. and Yeah, yeah people are just trying to put some food on the table. So anyway. So, but let's remind everybody, we just talked about three great subjects and some wins, yes. and that's what we got to be thinking on because uh, there were some really cool things. And I think there are things that we can just, yeah, the world is, you know, it's chaotic and it's dark at times, but there is an underlaying of, uh, of goodness and we are, we got to take care of each other still. And I think the best way of doing it is with HR and the one thing you control as a business owner is your own business and making sure that's a great place where people want to go and work too. So definitely. Katie, this was fun. Let's do it again. Absolutely. Yeah, I guess. Thanks. (laughs) All right. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye. At Oculus Insights, we care a lot about animals, but we also care about the health of the veterinary profession. 
Our goal is to support veterinary businesses around the world by helping you clear your path to success. 